Do you often find yourself falling behind on editing? Well, I'm here to tell you that it does not have to be this way. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you my exact editing process from start to finish to help save you some time. Welcome to The Productive Photographer. My name is Anthony Gauna, and I'm a wedding and portrait photographer. In each episode, I bring you tips, tools, and strategies related to all things photography and productivity to help you streamline your workflows and maximize your creative output. Now grab your camera and a notepad and let's dive in. Hey there, hope you're doing well wherever you're listening. Uh, So this past week, I had two engagement sessions. And so um, I'm being, I'm beginning to dive into uh, editing those uh, sessions. And so with it fresh on my mind, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to share with you my exact editing process from start to finish, from me importing the cards to me delivering the photos. Uh, I... This is something that I see every now and then, uh, you know, like if I'm like mindlessly scrolling on Instagram stories or whatever, every now and then I'll come across this uh, Instagram story from a photographer and they'll they'll list out all of their clients' names and then say something to the degree of like, uh, this is my editing workflow, you know, or my uh, editing cue, you know, give me some grace while I'm like getting through everything. And um, I know they're trying to like, um, you know, let people know like where they are in the queue and blah, blah, blah. And um, it can also like make it seem like they're really busy and that sort of thing, which is great. I mean, that's a great thing to have. But at the same time, like at least from my perspective, it seems as though um like they don't have their stuff together. <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, I'm stressed out. Like calm down. Like you're, I'm going to get you the photos. Don't worry. You know, um, that's what it looks like to me. And, um, so I'm just like coming at it from like, uh, that sort of perspective, like wondering if I were the client, like, what would I be thinking right now? <laughs> um, so, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, well, Welcome back. It's 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 brand new. <laughs> um, if you missed last week's episode, it was really really short. It was just um, I had this quick idea, and I just had the mic already on you know the, the desk, and I just recorded a quick quick episode um, talking about the uh, PickTime blog feature. Uh, I they had this blog post um, talking about how to like optimize. Uh, the PickTime blog feature for SEO and all that. And I just wanted to share that with y'all. Um, so if you didn't catch that episode, I'm, I mainly just talked about it, but the main thing is to go check out the link in the show notes because that'll take you directly to the blog post um, or you can just Google it. Um, anyway, so yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to go over my editing process from start to finish. Um, and funny enough, uh, some of it is going to tie into uh, that previous uh, episode of mine of or, or talking about the, the PickTime blog post uh, feature. Um, that ties into my workflow now. And that's something that's brand new because uh, they just launched that blog's uh, portion. Um, okay, so... We got to stick to the structure that I want to like keep doing. Um, so before we dive into the editing, let's do the shiny object segment. Um, basically, like I want to like start out these episodes talking about this week's shiny object, which is basically anything that's kind of like got my intention um, or something I'm excited about. Um, it doesn't always have to be photography or productivity related or anything like that. Um, but just something that's on top of mind. Um, and I've been kind of like, I'm like, man, I'm like keeping it to, to one each episode. And I've been kind of like struggling with uh, what to share. So I'm going to share two. The first one is not um, productivity related or, you know, what whatever, um, which is Daisy Jones and the Six. It's a show on Amazon really, really good show. I think it's only like 10 episodes. Um, basically it's about a band, um, from the seventies, 
they're they're a fake band, um, but it's basically all like loosely based on. Um, oh my god, why is it just now leaving my brain? Um, <laughs> based on Fleetwood Mac, or not based on, but like loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. Um, really, really good show. Uh, tons of ups and downs, and then you're just gonna cry <laughs> on the very last episode. Heads up. Um, so my other one is actually my standing desk. I got a standing desk, or well, I converted my desk into a standing desk uh, about a month ago. Uh, a month ago, <laughs> I can't talk. A month ago. Um, so I, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to share this because I wasn't really sure if it was going to stick with me. I'd never used a standing desk, um, but man, I really, really love it. Um, it was a bit of a pain to like get set up because I didn't buy um, an actual like standing desk. I just converted my old desk, which is actually um, a six foot long piece of butcher block countertop that I got from like Home Depot for like a hundred bucks. Um, so this thing is like solid. And that was the only reason why it was like, um, yeah, it was a process to like put together um, because the, uh, the counter, the, yeah, it is a countertop um, is so heavy. So like getting it to like stand up, like I had to do it upside down in order to like drill the holes in and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, Long story short, I'm still loving this desk and I'm so glad I did it. Um, so if you've been thinking about doing a standing desk, I really, really like, I just recommend doing it. It's nice to be able to like stand and um, do things. I I don't usually start off with it. I mostly like transition into standing if I know I'm going to work on something that I don't want to do. Um, and so if it's that sort of thing, it helps me kind of like get engaged and I can kind of like move. Um, so I'll do it with like uh, editing, um, as we're going to talk about. Um, doing emails, um, or if I just need to like have some sort of like change of scenery, I no longer have my laptop, um, RIP. It just totally died on me. Um, so now all I have is my desktop, which is a, a Mac mini. So I can't go, you know, and like change, like go to a coffee shop now or go into the bedroom and just like work on things in bed. Um, so it like, yeah, just helps give me this um, different sort of quote unquote scenery, I guess. I don't know, just changes things up. And I'm recording right now standing up because now I can... I can move around and I can wave my arms around. I talk with my hands quite a bit. I'm doing that right now. You can't see me, um, but it's great. So yeah, highly recommend getting a standing just standing desk. Uh, so that's why I made it today's shiny object. Um, I don't know what it will make next week, but we'll see. Okay. All right. I'm going to get a sip of water because we have a lot to cover. All right. All right. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. So we get home and um, we've got our memory cards and we're ready to, to get going. So my the first thing that I do, um, this is actually something new that I started doing, um, is creating a new catalog. So let me backtrack for you real quick. I have an, an entire what I call master catalog of every single thing um, that dates back all the way to, ooh, I think 2011 is is as far back as I got. Because uh, when I was very very first starting out, like I um, I had no idea of like how to take care of things. Um, so this is also why um, I, I thought this would be a great episode to kind of like start off with. Um, because if you are just now starting off, this is going to be a great way for you to like start, you know, from the beginning doing things, um, the way that I should have been doing in the beginning. Um, so yes. So I keep an entire catalog, uh, that I call my master 
But because I have so much stuff in there, um, when I'm doing editing, it can just be so slow. Um, now I, I only have like the M1 Mac Mini, and I I know that um, that you know like Apple now has like the Apple Studio, and it's you know apparently you know super fast. But honestly, like I've been super happy with uh, the M1 Mac Mini that um, I don't feel the need to um, you know like upgrade or anything like that. Um, so what I've been doing uh, to kind of like get through things a little bit faster is creating a new catalog for everything that I edit. And then I'll dive into, um, you know, the what I do to like uh, get it back into the master catalog after everything. Um, that's obviously the last step. But first step is create a new catalog. And so uh, new catalog opens up. Um, put in your memory card. And then from there, what I do is um, select, uh, obviously, the memory card. And then I select, uh, I believe it's called copy, I think. Um, I could be wrong or it could be add. Anyway, it's one of the, <laughs> and I think it tells you in the description, but uh, basically what it does is, yeah, it's got to be copy. Um, copies the files to another destination, meaning it's not going to just link to the the memory card because that would be kind of pointless of not having the the files somewhere else, or that would be pointless not having them somewhere else. Um, so after that, um, select that, and then I go and I make sure that uh, create smart previews is selected. And then I have my file renaming structure already saved as a preset. And uh, my file naming structure is uh, basically based on uh, time. Uh, so it's based on, or it, it starts uh, with the year. So uh, four digits for that, dash uh, month. So two digits, dash two digits, I can't say that two digits for the day and then two, two I'm just going to stop saying digits, um, uh, but then minutes and seconds. So once again, year, month, day, hour, minutes, and then seconds. And uh, I do it so that way, like every file has its own um, kind of like identity to some degree, like it, it shows where in the day it was and um, like if I'm going through a bunch of files, it just helps me kind of like know when that was. Now, obviously, you need to make sure that you're, um, you know, syncing your camera to the right time and all that, especially if you're using two cameras, make sure you sync your cameras because then if you want to do that file structure, um, it's kind of like pointless. Um, another reason why I do it is because um, like, I know there are some photographers that will do like just the client name and then like a sequence number. But if you do it like that and then you wind up not using some of the images and then you don't remember to rename them back to that same structure, you know, the client might see like their name and then uh, let's say their name 101 and then 150 and, you know, and they're like, hey, uh, so I don't have these images, what happened to them? And it can be a little bit confusing. Uh, I had, I used to do that way in the beginning and I would always just have to like try and explain, you know, like my process, which is basically me being like, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's what I do as far as like importing. And then, oh, well, I import onto an external drive um, that's separate for, uh, from my actual internal drive of my Mac mini. Um, so yeah. And then I named the folder just like the client name. I keep it simple. Um, I used to add in years and blah, 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 all that sort of like metadata. Um, but now I just keep it simple with just like the client name. Um, and I'll go into my other file structure, um, towards the end of like, once I'm done with everything. Okay. So we've got the images transferred onto the external drive. Um, we've got the smart previews created. Um, now I use a service called Backblaze 
And basically, it's like a, uh, a backup service for your computer. The great thing is that I believe it's like less than like seven bucks or something like that. Um, super, super cheap. Like it, um, I know the price went up. That's why I'm not quite sure. Uh, but in the beginning, it was like only five bucks a month. Um, and so now it's only like, yeah, I think like less than like seven, seven bucks. Unlimited storage. <laughs> so um, for just like a couple bucks each month, you get unlimited storage. I will repeat that again. Unlimited storage. Um, so this is great. So um, what it does, what the software does is it backs up your um, your computer itself. And then any other hard drives that you have connected to it, it backs up as well. So this means that once um, you know the the catalog has been created, that catalog wherever wherever it's sitting on my computer, um, it that gets backed up, and then the external drive where the files are at that also gets backed up. Um, and then <laughs> I take it a step further uh, because I'm just like crazy. And I have another hard drive connected and that one copies the other external drive where the, the files are at just as a, a copy, just in case. Um, it's kind of unnecessary, you know, like since um, Backblaze is going to be moving that over, well, not moving, but copying it. Um, but I just do it as a, a precautionary measure. Um because I'm crazy. <laughs> and so I use an app called Carbon Copy Cloner. I don't know if it's um, on Windows, anything Windows related. I'll just get that out of the way. I have no idea. I'm just like all in on the Apple, eco Apple ecosystem. And uh, so you'll have to do your own research there if you're a Windows user. Um, but I use Car Carbon Copy Cloner um, and that just like is always running. So you can create your own rules. Um, so like um, basically mine is set up to where if it sees that um, this one specific drive connects, it will start copying over uh, from any of the other drives that I've said, hey, pull um, pull from this, this drive and copy it over. Um, so that's just how I do it. You don't have to do that, um, but... That's what I do. If anything, I would say uh, get Backblaze, so that way you've got another cloud, so you know, source. So if you if your um, computer just like crashes, you can actually get them to mail you another hard drive of your exact, um, you know, computer. Um, it does cost money, but I mean that way you've got files. You can even access them um, on the web. Um, so there's, there's been a few times where I wanted to, like, I, I just, for some reason, couldn't find a certain file. Um, and I just logged on to Backblaze and just downloaded it. So, all right, my computer just, uh, screen server went on. Okay. There we go. I got all my notes in front of me. So, all right. So after that, um, everything's been copied over. You've got your memory cards. Now, what I do is I have a separate uh, memory card holder for just the jobs that I'm editing. So that way I don't touch those uh, until I've edited and delivered the images. Once again, kind of unnecessary, but it's just another thing that I just do just to make sure that if something goes wrong, like I can just, you know, re-edit from the very, very beginning. Um, so that's just my something I do don't have to do it. Um, I'm just crazy. <laughs> okay. So here is where all the magic happens. I cannot go back to another day before AI editing software. I just can't. Um, so back in the day I used to use, um, another app called photo mechanic. Um, and that is where I would just do all my calling. And I did it because it was a super, like super, super fast app to like, uh, go through and just like do everything. It was way faster than Lightroom I found. 
Um, so I used that app for many, many years until I came across uh, Aftershoot. Um, and Aftershoot is basically this AI calling app. And the cool thing about it is like, it comes out of the box, um, you know, like it'll call through everything. I, I, I know I'm kind of like jumping ahead a little bit, but just to like give you a overall kind of um, explanation. Um, I think what it does is, is it like already has like a certain sort of like, hey, this is what we feel are the best type of images. But as you start calling within the app, it learns from the things that you've um, changed up. So if you're going through and you're like, oh, I don't like the one it selected. I like this one more. Uh, it'll start learning from the things that you've changed so that it still calls within your style. So it's not just like all completely um, a robot doing it for you. Um, it does learn uh, from you. So that's the great thing about it. So um, I'm not going to go into too much depth um, on like all the things like after shoot related, um, but I'll kind of like do a little bit of um, a few things here and there. So uh, open up after shoot. And then because we've already, um, or I'm going to say we, but I <laughs> uh, have already imported into Lightroom. I don't need to import again into uh, Aftershoot. You can do it within Aftershoot. I just prefer to do it um, through through Lightroom. I don't know. It's just what's always made sense to me. So it's still kind of like keeping my old workflow, but kind of changing it up. So instead of going uh, to Photo Mechanic, I, I am now going to Aftershoot. All right. So, but within there, instead of um, like importing or ingesting, whatever you want to call it, um, we're just adding the folder of the raw files into Aftershoot, just not importing and renaming files and that sort of thing, if that makes sense. Um, so once you've added the, uh, the folder, you're just going to hit start calling. That's pretty simple. <laughs> it's, or it's that simple. So uh, you hit start calling. Now, a few things to note, like there are um, settings that you can change. So, and this is something that's uh, kind of new from one of the recent updates um, a few months back now, I think. Uh, but you can select whether it's a wedding, an engagement, uh, a boudoir session, a family session, um, and I think a few others. Um and then from there, you've got all these uh, things to select. So as far as like the settings that I have that I use within there, um, so the threshold for blurred photos, I keep that at moderate. Uh, basically, it's like, um, yeah, if you were like out of focus or something like that, um, it'll mark that as blurred. Um, I keep it at moderate um, just because... I don't, I'm not super picky about things being, you know, very, very sharp. Um, my camera is actually pretty old. Um, I'm really jealous of all my friends that have, um, you know, all the mirrorless cameras and they're, they're every photo is just so sharp and I'm just so jealous. Um, so, so I keep it at moderate because my camera sucks basically. Um, the criteria for grouping duplicates, I keep that as uh, what they call similar-ish. Um, I've played around with the other settings. I think there's like two other settings. Um, for me, I found that I enjoy using the similar-ish similar uh, setting. Uh, just the way it groups it just makes sense to my brain because um, I can just see all of the similar photos um, grouped together instead of like a wide range of different expressions and, and all that. Um, so I think it gives you more group sets of duplicates. Um, whereas the other ones don't really do that. Um, so I, I'm, I, if you've never done this, this is probably not going to make sense to you. It's like one of those things that once you start using it, you'll you'll understand it a bit more and figure out what works best for you. All right. So then selections in each duplicate set, I keep that as, uh, or I keep that at less. 
um, for portrait sessions. Now for weddings, I actually use moderate for weddings. So basically what it means is within each of those uh, du- duplicate sets, um, it'll choose a certain number of photos. So um, for like an example would be for the less setting that I use for portrait sessions. If you have a group of four images, it's going to choose one image. Um, and then if you use moderate uh, for four images, it's going to choose two. So I like my portrait sessions to not have so many. Like I just want it to be a lot more of the really good photos rather than uh, quality or quantity. And then for weddings, I'm all about like giving them as many photos as possible. Um, so I'll move it over to moderate. All right, and then uh, they have a highlights feature. I actually don't use it. I've tried it. Um, it just didn't really gel with me. Um, it's basically like it'll kind of like do its best to like choose um, a certain amount of images that you want to use for like highlights and stuff. Um, another reason I don't use it is because I've actually worked into my workflow um, a system that makes sense to me, and I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, and I just, I don't want to move away from it. And so, um, I, yeah, I don't use the highlights feature. Um, and then lastly, um, the uh, stars and colors within uh, Aftershoot, um, I change only slightly. So for colors, I just use what uh, Aftershoot has, you know, as their defaults. Basically, um, I, I don't remember... Um, what goes with what uh only thing i know is that green equals like the selects or the, the you know the good photos um and then like i think duplicates go into yellow and blinky eyes are red anyway it'll kind of like color them and then it can also star them uh based on like what type of photo it is if it's a select a duplicate um you know whatever um but once again, to go with my system, um, I only have it one star, the images that are selected, you know, for being the keepers, basically. Um, and I'll go into, once again, that star system um, a little bit later. So, all right, let's do a quick stretch. Um, <laughs> we're going to uh, hit uh, uh, the call button in Aftershoot, and it's going to do its thing. We're going to do a quick stretch right now. Take a quick break, um, get a drink of water if you need it. I know I kind of like dived into a, a bunch. I told you it's going to be quite a bit to cover. All right. Now, uh, once Aftershoot has done its calling, what I do is I go through it myself um, and just use the keyboard shortcuts. Um, so I think a lot of people feel like the whole AI thing just does all the work for you. Technically, it can. Like, you can just be like, cool, sounds great, and then just like move on. Um, but I like to make sure that, you know, whatever has been selected, um, you know, looks good um, or, you know, fits my style and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I also like, I try and think of it as like a way to make things a whole lot easier. I hate making decisions like if you were to tell me what do you want to eat for dinner i'm gonna be like i don't know like don't make me decide um so for me i find it helpful because it's basically like saying all right dude these are what i think are the good images but kind of like go through them and like double check and then i'll be like all right cool cool dude thanks and um the great thing is like it does it in chunks. So that's like going back to the whole duplicates grouping thing. So I go through the, the groups. Um, a few like little things that I kind of like keep in mind is if it looks great right away, um, I'll, I'll usually like just go to the next one. Um, if it's a moment, like a moment in, in time where um, I see that image and I'm like, oh, I remember I was trying to create this photo, but I don't see it in as a select. I'll go through the uh, group of photos and see if it's in there. If it is in there, um, I'll add it as a select. Uh, you can just easily do that with a keyboard shortcut, just clicking A. And then, um, or like 
as I'm going through, maybe the selected photo is completely blurry or it's got blinky eyes. I will just mark that as um, a non-selected one. I won't even go through the the grouping of the other images because if that was the best photo it chose, obviously the other ones are not going to be good. So once again, really just kind of like gets rid of that like decision, you know, fatigue. Um, what else? Uh, if you're going through also too, uh, another thing that I'll do is like, if I see an image and I'm like, mm, I think there might be a better one. Let me go through. I'll go through the group. And, uh, if I do see another one that looks better, I will just swap it out and it'll just swap out the image that was selected with the one that I selected. Um, so it's kind of like the adding in feature, but you're just swapping. Um, once again, keyboard shortcut, you just hit S and it just swaps them out. Um, yeah, so I just go, I, I just try and like fly through them as quickly as possible. And the whole grouping thing makes things a lot easier. Um, so yeah, if you have not used, uh, you know, AI software to like cull, um, I recommend you give Aftershoot a try. I've tried a few others. Um, I don't remember the names cause they were like so long ago. Um, Actually, I even tried Aftershoot when it was like, it was like a bare bones. Like it wasn't even an app. Um, I think it like just labeled things and put them into Lightroom. And I I hated it. And then one day, um, I somehow discovered that they had an actual app. And then that's when I was like, oh my god, I am so on board with this. Um, it's just as fast as using Photo Mechanic and all that. Like it's it's just amazing. So. I really, really recommend you give it a shot if you've never tried calling with Aftershoot. Um, okay, so where are we at now? So we've already called. Um, we've already made our selects, made our changes. I go back to the home screen of Aftershoot, um, and then I select uh, the edit button. This is going to be one where I'm going to have to kind of like uh, backtrack just a bit because you can't just like right out of the box, click edit and have it know your style. Um, I'm gonna take a quick uh, drink of water because my throat is just dry. From all this talking, oh my gosh. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, how you get the um, Aftershoot AI thing to know your, your editing style is what you're gonna do is um, and this is where like having uh, everything in one master Lightroom catalog comes in handy. So what I did is, um, well, okay. <laughs> I didn't like, I obviously did not bullet point this section out because I'm like just stumbling. So uh, I apologize. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, how do I, Okay. In order to create the profile, Aftershoot needs at least, I believe, a minimum of 2,500 uh, images, but it recommends, I think, at least 5,000. Um, so when I created my profile, um, I used about 3,000 images or so, um, and it it just looks great. I, I didn't see anything that really needed to to be changed or anything like that nothing looked wonky um now i do think that's also because my editing style has not really changed in quite a few years um i have a preset that i use uh for color and then uh well i have a few black and whites but it doesn't do black and white well it, it can do black and black <laughs> <laughs> it can do black and white. I just don't have it do black and white because I just do that manually. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's why it's kind of uh, like with, you know, 3000 or so images, it was able to create its own profile for, you know, in my style and, and look pretty good, uh, you know, right from the start. Um, now, if your style has kind of fluctuated uh, quite a bit, um, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for it to kind of like figure out. So this would be something where um, if you've, you know, had a consistent editing style, um, I think this is going to like work really, really well for you. Um, so that's the the profile creating process. Um, 
And then like after you've edited, you can submit the the photos uh, back into Aftershoot uh, to kind of like help, you know, continue to, to tweak the profile. Um, so there's that. Anyway, okay. So um, yeah, we're going to go back to the home screen of Aftershoot going to find the uh the job that we're working on and then as we hover over it you'll see the edit button you're going to click the edit button and then um since i have it uh well since i create a uh, separate catalog for it what i'll do is drag the catalog um, of that job into the editing window that's there um, it'll show like the images um and what I do since um, Aftershoot is different in that uh, they don't charge per image to uh, edit. So there are other editing apps that they'll base the, the price um, on the number of images that you've edited. But Aftershoot doesn't do that. Um, actually, right now, as I'm recording this, it's still in, I think, closed beta, if I believe. Um, but from what I've been told is that uh, once it's like fully finished and open to everybody, that um, it's just going to be a one-time fee. Oh, not one-time fee, but like um, basically you won't be charged per image. You'll just be charged um, whether you choose like the annual plan or the month monthly plan. Um, I do the annual um Right now, I think it's like 120 bucks a month, um, and then uh, 15 bucks. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Backtrack. 120 dollars a year, 15 bucks for monthly um, is what I believe it is right now. Um, I don't know if that's going to be another chart. Like once they introduce the edits, I don't know if that's going to change a bit. Um, but as of right now, that's kind of like where it's at. So that's another great thing about Aftershoot is that you're not paying per image. So um, instead of going through and only selecting it to edit the, you know, selects the the one stars or the, you know, the color green images, I had, I just have it do everything. Um, so that way, like if later on down the line, um, I don't know, like maybe I need to look for another certain photo um, everything's kind of like already edited and, you know, I can just, you know, send it to the client. Um, so I just kind of like, just take advantage of it. Um, but then, yeah, I just, uh, select them and then hit edit, uh, usually takes, um, like five to 10 minutes maybe to like get everything over just depending on how many images you have. Um, but yeah, like a session I think takes less than five minutes, um, for me and, I think I usually do about like 500 or so images uh, for sessions, like engagements and that sort of thing. And then it's usually like narrowed down to about like 120 or so images. Um, so yeah, so super quick. Uh, it'll give you like a little dialogue box saying like it's done. And then if you want to review in Lightroom, you can just click that button and it automatically opens up the catalog within Lightroom. And you're right there. You open it up. You see all your images basically edited. Um, it's such a I don't know. It's such a really really cool thing. Um, and um, yeah. So what I do, my first step before I even edit, this is another thing that I just recently started doing. This, um, well, no, I, I started doing it last year. Um, but what I do is, so on the left within library library mode. You're going to see that panel on the left-hand side um, where you've got your uh, folder of Lightrooms. It shows like where it's located and all that. Uh, what I do is I will create a... I'll right-click on the folder um, of the raw files and then create a folder within that. And I'll call it 1-selects. And then I'll right-click on the you know main folder again and then create another folder within it called two dash rejects. And then from what uh, from there, I'll filter down the photos to the one star images and drag those into the folder that's called selects. And then uh, filter down again, 
Um, all the you know ones that are not starred at all, those go into the rejects folder. It might seem a little unnecessary, but like every now and then I've had a client be like, hey, uh, I thought I saw you take you know a photo around this moment. Um, do you have it? And so now I just kind of like do this new method. So that way um, it's just all built in within Lightroom. Um, so if that ever does happen to me again, I've got this whole new process, you know, set up. Um, so that's why I do it. You don't have to do that. Um, I didn't do it until only, yeah, a few months ago. Now, another, another thing too is, um, with weddings, this is another thing that I, uh, started doing recently, um, is I will create other folders within the selects folder. Um, or I'll even do it with like engagement sessions. So like, let's say, um, we had an engagement session and they did two different outfits. I'll create another folder. Well, sorry, I'll create two folders within the selects folder. So it'll be like, uh, you know, the selects folder, open that up and then drag in photos of outfit one and then another folder outfit two. drag those in as well. Um, and that way, like, as you're going through to like, uh, do the final edits of, of everything. Um, you can actually just filter down a little bit. I honestly, like, I really like it because, um, it's going to help keep me a little bit more organized in the future, but also too, like sometimes like, especially with weddings, um, you know, usually like it's around like 600 or so images I'm working with. Maybe it's a day where I'm like, I am not going to like tackle everything. Um, I'll just do a little bit and then I'll just like open up like the details photos. Cause there's, I usually don't do a lot of detail photos. So it's just like, all right, I can sit down and work on like 30 images right now. Um, and it doesn't feel as daunting. Um, so that's something I do. So like with weddings, yeah, like I'll, I'll base it based on the, the type of wedding it was and what happened and that sort of thing. So it could be uh, like anywhere from like details, getting ready, um, the ceremony, um, and then I'll even break down the the reception. So like dinner, toast, dancing, um, cake cutting, that sort of thing. All right. So once we've sorted out all the photos into those additional folders and that sort of thing, um, now it's just about going through and just like making the the edits. Um, now this is going to be something that's going to vary based on your profile and that sort of thing. For me, um, all I really do is uh, double check crops um, because AfterShoot can uh, crop and straighten. Um, I found it's pretty pretty good, um, but every now and then I don't really like the crop, um, so I will go in and change crops. Um, and then usually the only things that I'll need to adjust are the white balance um, and then the exposure. Um, that's usually what I tend to like make adjustments to. Um, but once again, that could you know vary with you. And then like um, removing things, I'll use the brush tool um, to dodge and burn, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I go through, make all my edits. And then, um, oh, a quick like little tip too. Um, if you don't already know about it or don't use it, I recommend, um, so like if you've got a certain portion, like let's go with wedding, um, you've got getting ready photos, for instance, um, and it's all within the same room, but all the photos, um, like nothing's changed, um, lighting is still the same. Um, I recommend you like selecting them all. And then on the right hand side of Lightroom, uh, towards the bottom of, uh, the develop, you know, on the develop screen, all that, uh, there is, I think it's called auto sync. Um, so if I know, like I've got a set of images with the same lighting and all that, um, that I'm going to be editing, I'll just select them all and then make the adjustment. And then all those photos get synced and, you know, if, if it's in the same lighting situation and all that, uh, you usually don't need to like make any additional adjustments. So you can like do bulk edits basically. So pro tip, if you don't already use that. Okay. So, um, 
after I've gone through and edited, I do one more pass. And this is where I start doing the star, uh, star ratings, basically. Um, and this is what I found that's um, useful um, for me. And the reason why I only use the one star uh, within Aftershoot is because I like to make the final decisions after the fact. So when I'm going through, we've already got all the select selected images that we're going to deliver as one stars. That's like everything that we're going to be delivering to the client. Um, when, it, when I'm making, um, specifically with weddings themselves, um, I will make the, the very top portion of their online gallery a section called Anthony's Favorites. Um, you could also call them highlights. Um, but the reason I like to do it like this is so that like, when they, <laughs> I'm like all like excited and like fumbling on my words. Um, but it's been like so useful. Um, so I like to create the favorites or highlights section, um, because like when they dive into the gallery, they're going to like, they're going to see those images first. And it's going to be a little bit of the entire day. Whereas like, if you weren't to do it, like whatever was the first part of the day, like whether it was like getting ready or even like just detail photos that can be a little bit boring. Um, and so it just kind of makes it engaging right from the start. And then I'll also like tell it, you know, let the client know like, Hey, just a heads up, like this is just a, like a little bit of the day, like a small portion of it, but it's a little bit of everything that way you can see it. Um, and the rest of the photos are down below as you scroll. And then I'll show them like how it's broken down and they love how it's all broken down, you know, based on like whatever it was. Um, so as I'm going through, I'm going to be thinking about one, is this going to be in the Anthony's favorites slash highlights section? Um, is this going to be an image that I'm going to put on the blog um, that I'm, you know, going to blog about it? Um, could I use this image um, for like a social media post, like an Instagram post or something? Um, and then lastly, is this a portfolio image? Like, is this amazing and this needs to be like, you know, on my website as a portfolio image? So I'm keeping those things in mind. Um, and I do this because it helps break down everything. So basically when I'm, um, uploading, um, everything, well, actually I forgot to give you my star ratings. So two stars is the highlights. Three stars is mean, or means it's going to be on my blog, um, as a blog post Four means it's going to be a social media post and five means it's going to be, um, a portfolio image. And this helps because when uh, I'm uploading onto PickTime, uh, which is what I use to deliver uh, the online gallery and all, all that sort of stuff, um, you can filter the images to be in the highlights section as two stars and uh, up. So basically anything that is two stars, three stars, four stars, or five stars that all gets put into Anthony's favorites. And then when I'm going to make the blog post, which I do within uh, pick time itself now, which is super exciting, um, I filter it down to three stars, four stars, and five stars. So that means I've got my entire blog post. Um, so as you can see, like as you keep going up, it just like filters down and down. So technically I could use four, four stars and five stars for social media posts. Um, I just use four stars as like, and eh, like, it's a good photo. Like I could use it to put on Instagram. Um, but it's definitely not going to be on my, you know, main portfolio page basically. Um, so I hope all of that makes sense. Like that's my star rating system. Um, it's been really helpful. And then that way, like if you ever need to go in update, um, your portfolio, you just filter down to, uh, just all the five stars, if, especially if you got like the master Lightroom catalog, you just filter down to five stars and there's all your portfolio images. Um, need to make an Instagram post, filter down to four to five stars and just choose from there. Um, so yeah, once again, super, super helpful. So after we've starred everything, what I do is um, I close out uh, Lightroom 
and then open up my master Lightroom catalog. And this is where we're going to import uh, the catalog we were just working on and put it into our master Lightroom catalog. Now, importing is super simple. Um, I believe you just go to uh, up in the top, like file and then import from catalog. It'll give you like a little dialog box. And since the raw files are still in the same spot, you don't need to like add them. Um, you just basically add all the like editing met metadata, you know, into the new catalog. Everything just gets copied over. And then that way you have it alongside everything in your master Lightroom catalog. And then from there, um, Pick, uh, PickTime has its own um, plugin. So um, I within Lightroom, I just right click on the PickTime plugin and um, create, they call it a project. So you just create a project. Um, you can even go like, um, to the point where within PickTime itself, not within the plugin, um, but on the site itself, you can create templates. So I have templates for uh, everything that I do. Uh, comes in handy for weddings. And what I do is um, I just create like an entire list of possible things that I would segment out a wedding into. So it has... Um, Everything from like details, getting ready, ceremony, toasts, like any sort of like possible thing you can think of, I have it in there. And then when I go into Lightroom and right click on the uh, plugin for PickTime, I choose weddings and then it automatically creates all the different what they call scenes um, for that. And then I just start dragging in the photos uh, that you know, correspond with whatever it is that, um, you know, it is. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then anything that, uh, didn't make the cut, like maybe there wasn't any detail photos. I'll just delete that scene. Um, but the reason I just like make it like a bunch of different things is so that way I'm not having to go in and type a bunch of things. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, be deleting things, but it's, I find it much easier than, right-clicking, creating another scene. And I don't know, it just, it's so much easier for me. Um, so yeah, so I drag everything in once everything's ready to go. Um, I just click publish and then everything starts uploading, uh, onto pick time. Um, this is one thing that I will just, uh, do like at the end of a day, um, especially if I know I'm not going to be using my computer or anything like that, I'll just have it do it overnight. So I will like, once I'm ready to just wind down, I will, uh, click publish, uh, and then walk away from my computer and go watch TV or hang out with my son or my wife or whatever it is we're doing that day. Um, so that it just does it overnight. Um, and then, yeah, as I was mentioning, like, uh, next step could be to create the blog post within pick time. Everything's already uploaded, makes it super simple. Um, I won't go into that process, but, um, yeah, basically just filter down to those uh, star ratings uh, that match for what's going on the blog. And then those are selected. They're ready to go. And then um, last bit um, outside of pick time is uh, how I like finalize everything uh, within Lightroom. So we've added, uh, you know, that catalog to the master catalog. But from there, since... Um, I basically like have an archive type of drive that I use. So when I'm initially importing all the raw files, they go onto an external drive um, that's just there for editing. Anything that's currently active goes onto that drive. But once it's all done, it goes onto you know one of my like archive drives, and all those are within Lightroom itself. So. Um, the way I'm beginning to structure everything is um, I'm going to try to break this down as best as possible. So within that um, archive hard drive that's listed in Lightroom, um, I have it set as um, two things. One, personal photos. So any like personal photos that I've done uh, for like, you know, me and the family or whatever, that has a folder. 
Um, but specifically, we're going to focus on the, the client one, and I just call it Anthony Gauna Photography. We open that folder, and then that's where everything goes in a little bit more depth. So you open that folder, and then you start seeing all the years. Um, so you open up, we're in 2023 right now, open up that folder, and then from there, it's broken down into categories. So I've got everything in there from like weddings, boudoir, family, events, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so whatever type of thing that I was editing, um, it, I just drag it into the category that it belongs to and, um, you know, making sure it's, you know, within the same year as well. So that way, if I ever need to go back one day, I have all the raw files. Um, and this came in handy too, because at one point, um, I went and re-edited old work. There were like still photos that I really enjoy, um, that still has my style, but the editing was a little, you know, back in the day. Um, so that came in handy and then like being able to find them, um, granted you can still use, um, you know, all the star ratings and stuff to find things, but I just like that extra bit of like organization. So that's how I do those. Now I want to make sure that like, if you start doing this, you need to make sure that you're dragging the folder within Lightroom into the other folder that's also within Lightroom. Do not do it um, outside of Lightroom in the actual folder structure because that will break the links within Lightroom. So if you were to open, like do it outside of Lightroom and then open up Lightroom again, uh, you'll see that, you know, like folder can't, folder is missing or can't be found or something. You'll see that little icon. Uh, but if you do it within Lightroom itself, um, it keeps the, you know, keeps everything linked together, but also, um, it will actually physically move the files on, you know, whatever hard drive it is. Um, so it's still moving the files. It's not like an imaginary thing within Lightroom. It is actually moving the files, but doing it within Lightroom just keeps everything, um, together and doesn't break. Um, yeah, what about it? That's pretty much it. Like once everything's like been, you know, once I've dragged it onto uh, the archive hard drive, I make sure to keep that hard drive on overnight, including my um, computer, uh, because overnight those files will then get backed up onto Backblaze <laughs> once again. Um, so everything like kind of just like goes in a, you know, like a, a full circle. So since uh, the files are going to be moving off of the original or the editing hard drive. I, sh I should have called it that from the start. Um, that means Backblaze will be reflected as, oh, these files are not here. Um, so moving them over onto the other hard drive, um, those will get re-uploaded onto Backblaze and that way everything's still backed up. You have your raw files on your hard drive and then they are also accessible on Backblaze too. Um, and then, yeah, you give your photos to the client and that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> so this, okay. I need to check out the time, uh, on this. What do I, what do I have here? Oh my God. We just, I'm not going to be doing too much editing on this, but I just hit like a 59 minute mark. Oh, and then we got the intro music. Wow. Long episode today. This is like a complete 180 from like the previous one that was like about 10 minutes long. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that is my workflow from start to finish uh, as far as like editing goes. I hope you got something out of it. I'm sure like there's probably something that, uh, there, there's probably a few things. One, you're probably just like, oh my God, this dude is just, he's just crazy. Um, <laughs> he's a little overkill. Um but then hopefully maybe you, there is something within my workflow, um, that maybe you're like, Oh, that's a, that's a good idea. Maybe I should implement that. Um, I have gotten to where I will tell my clients, Hey, uh, cause the, the question about like turnaround time always comes up and I always make like, if, if they don't bring it up, I make sure to cover it. Um, but especially if they talk about like, Hey, so like, what's the turnaround time? When can we expect the photos? I will tell them um, like six to eight weeks 
Um, and that's only just because I, I want the, the cushion time basically. Um, and, but I make sure to tell them that, Hey, it's going to take six to eight weeks. Um, give or take, I only keep the eight week mark as like, a you know, cushion time just in case if something were to happen, but I've never hit the eight week mark. Um, but just so you know, I can edit an entire wedding within one week. The only reason it takes me this long is because I work in the order of, you know, whatever client or event or whatever it was, um, I work in that order. Um, and it always blows their mind. They're, they're like, you can edit an entire wedding in a week. And I feel like, and it's, it's also true. Um, but I, I feel like it's, enough to be like oh my god like that's incredible but also it doesn't sound like oh he's uh he's not really paying attention like he's probably doing a sloppy job i feel like it's in that nice little like in between spot um but yeah i mean this this process has really helped it's you know changed throughout the years but uh for one like yeah i just can't go back to a life before after shoot um, it's just helped save so much time. Once again, like the decision fatigue of like selecting images um, has just helped a ton. And then uh, the editing is like so spot on that I barely have to even like make additional edits. And like, the, like I said, the great thing is like it's based on your own work. It learns your calling style and then it learns your editing style. Um, so it's not like it's like doing like robot stuff. I mean, well it is, but it's all based on you. So don't feel like, Oh, like I can't use AI, like, Oh, AI is going to take over the world or whatever. I am God. The whole AI thing is a whole other topic that I don't even think I want to even discuss on the show, but yeah, AI is just, um, it is going fast. (laughs) There's so much stuff out there. Um, and I like to stay positive and I like to not think of of it as, you know, something that is going to take over the world and take our jobs. I really view it as a tool and, um, yeah, give AI a try if you have never tried it. Um, I like to end uh, the episodes with like an action step. So that's going to be my like action step for you. If is if you've never tried AI for either calling or editing, give it a shot. Um, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to Aftershoot. Now heads up, it is a link, uh, a, an affiliate link. So if you do sign up and wind up going forward, like you're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to buy it. Um, I do get a small kickback. It helps support me and helps, you know, so that I can continue making this podcast for you. Um, and you don't pay anything additional. It's just a, you know, way to help support me. Um, but you can also not use my link at all. Um, so whatever, just make sure you're trying AI specifically give after shoot a try. It's all like within one thing and just makes things a whole lot easier. Um, but yeah, if you've already, you know, used AI and, um, or using it, using Aftershoot, whatever it is. Um, I hope you did find something within my work, uh, within my workflow, um, that maybe you can help. And I know this is a very long episode. I know I can ramble quite a bit. I know there were some times where I was like, Oh crap. Like I didn't put a bullet point here. Um, my voice feels raspy because I've been talking so much. Um, but I hope you found this helpful. Um, yeah. And if, uh, you have any like, uh, tips that maybe I didn't cover, but like something that is working well for you, I would really love to hear them. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can actually, um, go to this show and, uh, I'll put a section, uh, where you can put in like, uh, your own tips. I would, I would really love to hear them because I'm always looking for ways to kind of like help optimize and make things a whole lot easier. Um, as far as like getting, you know, editing done. Um, and then, um, 
I'll also within if you're on Spotify once again, um, I'll have a section where I want. I'm just curious to know if you do use AI. Um, so I'll have a, like a little Q and A section where you can check like yes or no. Um, oh, before I let you go, pros and cons of using AI. Um, we, I, you know, we've already gone through all the pros. Um, I'm going to tell you what <laughs> the thing. The thing that sucks about using AI, the thing that sucks is that, at least for me, it makes me procrastinate because <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, I did this like a week ago. I can just like put it off, you know, for another week because I can just get through it in about a day. Um, so it does, at least with me, make me procrastinate a little bit more, but on like the plus side, um, I don't know, like I just don't stress about it. Like. I'm just like, yeah, it can be, it, it can wait. But once it's time to like sit down and do it, I don't feel stressed out. Like, oh my God, I got to hit a deadline or anything like that. So those are like my pros and cons. All right. So I'm going to let you go. But if you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Instagram. Tell your friends, this is a brand new show that I'm just like trying to like get out there. Um, let me know what you want me to cover in future episodes. I, I would love to hear it. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, I will see you again in the next episode of The Productive Photographer. Until then, keep productive. And no, 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 no. Until then, <laughs> I don't know my tagline. Until then, keep shooting and stay productive. Oh my God, this is a long episode. Bye.